0: Gentlemen, good to have you back for another week of biblical manhood here at Hope Church. I'm Pastor Tom. If this is your first one, jump back and, and uh, have a listen to the prior three and the Titus sermon that's in there from Titus chapter 2, all about biblical manhood, what God calls for us to be as men, and how God has made us to be men. This week, we're going to go back to Genesis 2, where we've uh, been a few times, and we're going to be discovering what it means to be those who are made to work. And keep. We're going to talk about uh, working and productivity. Working and productivity. There's going to be so much that can be said to these uh, two interrelated uh, realities. But to be a man is to be somebody <clears throat> who is working and keeping all that God has given to him. To be working and to be productive. So read with me in Genesis chapter 2. This is the specific creation of Adam and then the creation of Eve. We're going to focus in on God making and then uh, commissioning Adam. He says in chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The idea of life, sorry, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he says in verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That is going to be our central verse there that God put Adam, that he had created out of the dust of the earth, very likely outside of the garden since he had not yet made the garden, and then he created Eden, and then he put that man into Eden in order to work it and to keep it. We're going to talk about what that looks like since we are uh, uh, workers and we are those who are called to keep. I want to first just speak to the reality of work for men. We are those who, as we've said in prior sessions, we're the ones who are called to provide. We're the ones who are called to um, work and earn a living, bring home the bread for our families, even young men. Uh, of course, your job is to work, considering that in the future you will be a husband, a father, a grandfather, somebody who is to leave an inheritance. And so uh, uh, this is the call on every man. Work, though, let me say this. Number one, work is good. We saw just then that God put Adam in into the uh, Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, to do uh, long work through the day and to enjoy it. And this is all before sin entered the world. Don't just think that work, uh, labor, employment is a necessary evil that came about because of sin. Since Satan came in and ruined everything, now we have to work and we just make the best out of it. No, it's good God gloriously, intentionally put Adam to work. It's a good thing. It was not a sinful thing. It's a part of an original design. Next though, of course, the reality is the fall does come in. The fall ruins work. The fall uh, makes work more difficult. The fall makes work less productive and more painful, but it does not get rid of work. And it also does not get rid of uh, of the, the value of work, ultimately. Although what it does do is make... Uh, In fact, we'll read this in Genesis chapter 3, where God gives the curse to Adam for his sin. To the man, he says, Genesis 3 verse 17. I hope you young men and fathers um, all have it there with you there in your own Bible. Genesis 3 verse 17. And to Adam, he said, this is God speaking. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for your dust. And to dust you shall return. Here's the uh, the, the great reality of the curse. the what should have been joyful, easy, and... Uh, efficient and productive—that is Adam's work. It became difficult. It became hard. It did not—not uh, not every seed that went into the ground would bring forth fruit. Not every uh, field that he tilled and ploughed would be productive. In fact, where he thought he might receive trees, instead would come up thorns. It was going to be by the sweat of his brow that he would work. But work was not taken away, and neither was the ultimate value of work, because you see that he's still going to be able to work and produce bread for his wife to eat and live. It will still do the life-giving work, but it will also do the life-draining work. It will also make you sweat, bring you closer to death until eventually you die in the very ground that you came from. So that, my friends, is the reality and why you and I, and maybe you're agreeing right now, yep, that's me. I've got a Genesis 3 kind of employment. Uh, that's my boss. Well, we'll talk about that just a little bit later on some practical ideas about work. Um, however, work, though, is redeemed in Christ. Number three, Jesus came and he became an employed carpenter. He was a, a builder. He used his hands. He worked long days. He sweated out of his brow. He bled out of his thumbs when he hit it with a hammer. He had splinters in his hands. He had calluses all over his palms. He was a hard worker. He was very likely underpaid for his work at different um, uh, at different points. He was probably uh, cheated out of, of a full uh, wage of something that he had built and then sought to uh, sell. He Suffered with and struggled through the difficulties of work in a fallen world. Jesus did that. He did this so that he could, uh, uh, so that he could relate to us and redeem for us and give us an example of what work is. The curse touched Christ in work. This shows us, of course, that the uh, the curse has marred work but has not made it sinful has not put it in a category that now God doesn't respect it. God thinks small thoughts of it. Uh, it is some kind of punishment for sin. It is not because Jesus entered into it and redeemed it in this glorious way until he was 30 years old. Also, the, the, the work that Jesus did, not just in his employment, but it is in his ultimate employment to his father, that he came to us to work for our salvation. Jesus did not simply achieve salvation with a word. He did not simply announce salvation from heaven. Even the gospel in Christ needed to be achieved. It needed to be worked at over years in a human body. We needed a righteousness under the law produced for us. That took time and effort. We needed sin taken and punished for us. That took time and effort. Not just that, that Jesus would work by the sweat of his brow as a carpenter, but that Jesus would come and that he would labor for our salvation, not just by the sweat of his brow, but by the blood of his brow. He had to carry a heavy cross. He had to walk long miles to the place of his death. Jesus worked is a man who has gone before us as our Christ and example and salvation and hope. He has redeemed secular work and even done hard work in and for our salvation. <clears throat> Let's keep looking. Christians though, now now that we are this side of the cross and we are in Christ redeemed, we have the Holy Spirit, now all those things which might frustrate, us because of its low productivity we work hard like Adam but the ground does not produce the fruit we wish it did this uh, lowered damaged decreased productivity now we realize has eternal ramifications we might labor and feel that it is it is for naught that it is wasted time but Paul will tell us that because of the resurrection of Christ securing for us an eternal home and eternal rewards, your labor in the Lord is never in vain. It always has, this is me now applying, it always has eternal ramifications. Your work, Monday to Friday, nine to five, or whatever it is that you do, it is echoing into eternity and you ought to think about it that way. You ought to think about it in in, in such a significant uh, degree. Now, we have difficulty, of course, in our work as Christians. We, are, we do not believe that Jesus died, therefore our work will all be easy, we'll be rich, we'll be um, uh, wealthy in that way. No, we still have difficulties, but we can push through those difficulties knowing, first of all, Jesus has done this before, and my difficulty is working for me a great reward in heaven. And we know that we can work, whether it is plumber or prime minister, you can work to the glory of God. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, whether that be eating or drinking or anything. Uh, And also, lastly here, uh, we realize that in heaven, in heaven, you and I will be working if, if you're there. If you're their friend, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for the taking of your sin, if you have looked to his work on the cross and, and, and in seeing, not in your own doing, but in simply seeing what he has done, you see your salvation. If you place your soul in the care of God, if you trust that work that Jesus did for you, then you can rest from your work of trying to achieve God's love and uh, salvation and forgiveness and acceptance. You can lay it all down at the foot of the cross. You can look up and see that he has completed it all for you. He produced a righteousness, discharged justice on our behalf for our sin, and rose from the dead to sit as the king on the throne and grant mercy to anyone that comes to him. That's you, that's me, that's everybody who believes. Now, now we, in that redemption, in heaven, will continue to work. It's very obvious that in the... Um, parables of Jesus. We'll take one, for example, the, uh, the parable of the 10 talents or the 10 bank accounts or the 10 miners, whatever it is, uh, the, those words all meaning that he, uh, the parable says that he left different amounts of uh, cash with servants. And then this master went away and came back. And to those who had taken the cash and invested it well, the reward was greater work, greater responsibility. I'll elevate and promote you. Do more work. The, the reward was not, we'll go home and take a holiday perpetually. It was, great job, I'll give you more. The guy who, uh, who did nothing with what he was given was punished and put out. And so we need to realize that in heaven, this is the way that Jesus speaks. He says, "Enter in uh, uh, the, the, the declaration over us as we enter heaven will be, enter into the joy of your master. And what he's just said, the joy of our master is, is being set over kingdoms and cities for ruling and reigning. That's a lot of work. So even in heaven, we're going to be working. There's going to be gardens there to till. There's going to be cities there to build. There's going to be streets there to upkeep. There's going to be animals there to feed. It's going to be glorious. So work is this this constant part of the biblical narrative. And as we've just seen, this constant part of of history for men uh, because it is a part of our nature it's part of our nature to be workers and keepers that's the Commission over Adam in the garden but let me say this it's a part of our nature because it's a part of our image of God the reason we're workers is because we're made to be the image of God and so as you and I consider our work, as we consider the things that we need to work at and keep at, we need to realize that this is part of your showing forth the glory and nature of God, unique from animals, unique from other things, other parts of creation, is us made in the image of God with employment, with work to do to show the image of God. So the worst of all men, the worst of all men is the man that does not work, who refuses To work it is the most by nature it is one of the most uh, uh, unmasculine things that you can do is to be a man who does not work I don't care if you've got a a high voice a slight lisp tight jeans you drive a Suzuki Swift and you work at a fragrance selling store I don't care If, if you're working you are still more masculine than the guy who drives a truck, wears singlets, pumps iron, has a Southern Cross tattoo, has a beard, but doesn't work. You need to realize that. Also, stop working in a fragrance store and driving a Suzuki Swift. Praying for you. This is what, this is, this is what Paul said. In second Corinthians chapter 3 Paul said of the one in the church who keeps on receiving support and living in his mum's basement and uh, help uh, you know getting helps from everybody else from church on every other area of his life that he should have taken responsibility for Paul says alright 2nd Thessalonians 3 if anyone will not work let him die a dead man is better than a man who won't work or at least It's not better for him, it's better for you to be alive than dead, but it's better for society that a man who won't work, a man who refuses to work, it's better that he's dead than that he's alive, sucking uh, resources out of people who love him and and society. Now you might say, Paul doesn't say that. Paul says if he won't work, don't give him food. Not true. Paul says if he will not work, don't let him eat. Keep food away from him. Nobody donate any food. Now, I'm a pretty, pretty smart guy when it comes to biology. Uh, so, so I can say this uh, with confidence. If a man doesn't eat, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. That man dies. Human beings need food to live. Paul's point is that that guy can die or he can get a job he's capable of getting a job and working hard don't keep on feeling sorry for him and feeding him in his childlike mindset so working is 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 needs you need to see that this is a moral issue not just an employment issue not just a financial issue it's a moral issue are you a man will you live in sin in laziness or will you work hard in righteousness this is the difference so there's this paradigm that I want to speak quickly to and, and I've uh, relied heavily on. In fact, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I want to recommend to you this book that I've been reading and I've read before and uh, in my teenage years and was so helped by it. It's, it's called The Masculine Mandate by uh, Richard Phillips. The R- Masculine Mandate by Richard Phillips. It is an amazing book. It's uh, tremendous. He's a uh, Presbyterian over in America, and you can get this book from Ligonier or other places online, of course. Also, one last week uh, I meant to recommend, but but uh, didn't get around to it. Uh, in our in our session on men being futurists, those who are always looking to the future. Halfway through my preparation for that, I found this um, this book, Douglas Wilson, Future Men. This is all about raising boys to be men because they are all by nature future men lots of um, uh, principles and ideas and themes in here that uh, helped to influence and inform what we said last week and I was really uh, blessed to have found and devoured some of that Um, futurists Uh, well this week Masculine Mandate by Richard Phillips is my book recommendation you will do very well to go and read that do studies around it do um, get together and pray over it uh, uh, together uh, do it with your sons it'll be great for you um, and in this book he gives these uh, this reality he, he looks to chapter uh, to Genesis chapter 2 and says Adam is put in the garden to work it and keep it and these, these words are interrelated but distinct. he says that to work I'm quoting him now work, is to labor, to make things grow, to labor and to make things grow. This can be in terms of nurturing, cultivating, tending, building up, guiding, and ruling. So laboring to make things grow. That's work. He then says to keep is to protect and to sustain progress that is already achieved. And he also says that this can be spoken of in terms of guarding, keeping safe, watching over, caring for, and maintaining. So let us look at these a little bit more. As a worker, God has put men on earth, you on earth, to work and to keep, not the Garden of Eden that is long lost. We are in this sinful, broken, rebellious world that is cursed. We're put into this world, and God has said to each one of us, work it and keep it. Bring it back to its Eden glory, and then elevate it to the glory of Jesus Christ's kingdom. That's our job. So what does it look like to work? In a future uh, session, we're going to talk about how man is a spiritual gardener. You'll know, look at it, that theme throughout scripture, But uh, but let's just pick up that picture briefly now. To be a worker, Adam was put into the garden. At least part of his job was going to be working the garden as a gardener. Planting, chopping, uh, organizing, bringing to order, making to look beautiful. And so we can think of uh, um, uh, this reality that Adam was to cultivate, to build, and to grow the garden. That is, extend and expand the garden so that Eden engulfed the whole earth. That, That was his task before him. He was going to need kids to help him do that. He was going to need systems. He was needing to lord and dominate over the world so that he could get this done. That was part of his job. Well, you and I have uh, different areas, different, maybe we can talk of gardens uh, in our uh, life or different sections and responsibilities within our garden that you and I have been given. Let let me speak first to uh, our job. Uh, Richard Phillips speaks about this. He says that, um, a man is a gardener put to work in your job. So number one, yes, your job means that you need an employment so that you can pay your bills. It's about just going in, clocking on, clocking off, getting a paycheck. That is the base level requirement for men. You don't need to feel like it is your your, your highest and greatest calling in life to do your job. Uh, the base requirement is, not, not everything, but, but the very bare minimum is, Have a job, work at it, flip the burgers, mop the floor, whatever it is, do honest work. But there's more to it than that, of course. Yes, do a job, but work in your job in such a way that it brings flourishing. So it wasn't just enough for Adam to go into the garden and be busy doing things, but to be doing things in a way that produced fruit, produced safety, produced beauty in the garden for the glory of the Lord and the joy of his family that would be to come. So your job, is it uh, it building up human flourishing, building up society um, and and, uh, contributing that way? Also in terms of your family, uh, a man's family is that area of his garden that he needs to disciple those children. He needs to extend and expand those children in work. So imagine that as part of your garden. You need to plant new seeds. You need to chop off bits that are not doing well. You need to build, grow, and cultivate cultures in your family, traditions in your family, God-glorifying habits and skills within your family, raising up new children, uh, sending off young adults, bringing in of people who need help. This is a, your family is an area where you are to work hard. We see this uh, told to us in Ephesians, chapter six, verse four, Ephesians chapter six, verse four, Paul speaks of fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I think that can be done through laziness or also through overbearing work that does not actually bring productivity and fruitfulness. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Or, like the old KJV says, the fear and admonition of the Lord. These, these young children given to you are like trees, and you need to plant them, cultivate them, grow them, produce fruit in them as their father. Let's also speak to the church. We are each to be workers in the church, cultivating, growing, building in the church. This means that uh, you must ask, we, we should each of us be asking ourselves, what fruit, what spiritual kingdom fruit is being born out of my efforts? What is being uh, cultivated and produced through my service, my hard hard work, my sweat on a Sunday morning during the week? What am I doing in this church uh, that if I stopped doing it, the productivity would slow down a bit? Uh, is your hand to the plow in this church or, or are you simply taking of the fruit? Are you simply... Um, uh, consuming and not cultivating your work, your home, the church, all of these things is where you are put to be a worker. Let's though speak of what it means to be a keeper. Richard Phillips speaks extent- extensively on this and I've taken some notes from him. What it means to be a keeper. This is so important because if we only work and we do not keep, then we lose the progress that we make. To keep, again, remember, means to be protecting and sustaining the progress we've already achieved. So at work, we we are not simply uh, 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 working longer and longer and longer, you know, I've been at this job five years, six years, seven years, ten years, okay. You're extending your, your tenure, but ensure, friend, that you don't get demoted, don't stay uh, don't do uh, uh, take on more responsibilities, but actually spread yourself so thin. So you might think, I'm working more, I'm taking more ground. But actually, the things um, that you started with have been neglected. Uh, don't get yourself demoted. Uh, don't, don't lose the skills that you used to have in order to try and get new skills. Instead, learn new skills and maintain and sustain, protect, guard, and keep your old skills. Uh, This means that we do all of this to glorify God and we protect our progress. We protect our progress in the workforce. Sometimes that will mean delegation. Uh, In order to work hard and extend and expand my influence and work capacity, I need to look after, protect and guard other things by entrusting them to faithful men. I need to Offhand that so that I can move forwards that might speak to some of us Let's look in the home as a father and husband as you guys are Or or a son maybe some of you are there. Well think of this about your fathers and Think of this as yourself as a future husband and father In the home you need to make sure that while you are achieving at work excelling at work Extending and working well in your job. You don't neglect your home and your family. So that you leave at 7.30 in the morning, you get home at 9.30 at night, a few minutes with the wife, you miss the kids, they're already in bed, you're gone before they're really up in the morning. And so you excel at work, but neglect your family. That is one way to work and not keep. To progress, but then lose all of the previously achieved progress. This might mean that we uh, we don't simply aim to have lots of kids and a big family while at the same time neglecting the the intentional discipleship of each child. Uh, we want to excel and sustain our family. Our Proverbs 13, 24 speaks to us in this way. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to do discipline him. He is diligent to discipline him. The the role of the father in the home is not simply bringing more kids into the world with your wife, is not simply bringing money home, but is Diligence in the keeping and protecting of the progress of your family. Uh, This will also mean not simply internal problems, but also external attackers. You want to be guarding and protective and uh, um, uh, 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 Yeah, guarding your children from from perverts and perpetrators and uh, predators you want to be Protecting and guarding your children from school bullies. Uh, You want to be protecting and guarding your children from um, uh, immoral or abusive teachers Uh, and and coaches. You want to be the dad that is present in your kid's life to to cultivate godliness and also to protect what you have been uh, diligent to produce. You don't want other people to come in, chop it down and destroy your children's progress. You want to be there for them, supporting them, protecting them, including protecting your sons from immoral women, protecting uh, your daughters from immoral men. We want to not lose what we have cultivated by, lose, by being um, uh, unprotective over it. Uh, let me then speak to your wife especially. Uh, the, this is the area of your greatest um, this is your greatest business. This is your greatest investment. This is your greatest area of the garden. This is your tree of life in the garden of your life, is your wife. Proverbs tell us that she is a crown to a husband. That if she is a bad wife, she is a cancer in his bones. Well, gentlemen, it's your decision in your lifestyle, in the way that you invest in her, whether she will be a crown for you or a cancer for you. I pray that you would be those who invest in your wife, protect your wife and your relationship. This means that you'll protect all the ways that you have cultivated love already. You'll protect your relationship from other women who will tempt you. You'll protect yourselves from other men who will protect her. Other women who will speak um, uh, uh, deridingly or or accusatorily to your wife or about you to your wife. You're going to protect your relationship with your wife. Because progress can be made and then quickly lost if we are not keeping it well. <clears throat> you want to uh, keep... Uh, your wife and your relationship free from dangers from the outside, this is how you keep it. <clears throat> Number three, coming to, the, to a close here, in the area of your church, how do you act as a keeper, a protector, a guarder, a sustainer, a maintainer in the church? This will mean that you are, um, you're eager to protect truth. Uh, God has gone before us and men and faithful teachers have gone before us to lay down the foundation of truth But that can be quickly ripped up and thrown away by false teachers or errors that don't get corrected in our brothers And so you need to be one who is uh, quick and and gentle but firm to correct truth uh, or correct errors I should say in your brothers and your sisters at church uh, you'll be those who seek to look out for and, and guard the progress of your brothers, which means you don't see them neglecting the assembly on a Sunday and just let them go. Now, that's like Adam seeing a weed in his garden and just shrugging it off. In fact, it's, it's kind of like seeing a, a serpent come into his garden and start tempting his wife and saying nothing. We need to be protectors and keepers of our brothers, what was Cain's cry to God? He said, as he didn't want to look out. For, uh, sorry, cry out to. Um, uh, 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 he, he didn't want to look, uh, be held accountable. Sorry uh, for his brother Abel, who he had murdered. So when he was asked, "Where is your brother Cain? Had, uh, Where is your brother Abel?" Pardon me. Just this is coming off the top of my head. I didn't have this in my notes. His his cry out was, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Do I sustain and protect and maintain the health of my brother? Yes, friends. Yes, he was supposed to. You and I are that for each other. We keep one another. We're in in locked arms in this battle together. That's how we need to view one another. And maybe I'll just say this, that maybe other people uh, need to be able to excel, uh, move on, uh, step on to greater responsibilities of service in the church. And so you need to see your responsibility in this family that as, as you are called to keep what has already been achieved, maybe you need to find somebody who you could replace. You come to them and say, look, you've got responsibilities on your plate that could probably be delegated so that you can do greater and better things. Why don't I take that from you? I will look after it, keep it and protect it nourish it and flourish it and then in due time i will hand that on the ministry of of christ's servants in the church is always in a process of being handed on there's no pastor who lives forever there's no deacon who lives forever there's no children's ministry leader who lives forever we are always in the process of bringing up beneath us working and keeping and then being replaced all of us are very temporary so Maybe that's what you need to do is think, where can I come in, be delegated to, to free up other men who have been here longer, working harder than me, to be able to step forward? And I, in my time, will, will do the same. <clears throat> I just wanna to speak to a, a last few questions here uh, about specifically us as workers. So I get this question a lot from young men, old men. What about the career I'm doing? Is it the right one? Is it God glorifying? Should I change? Well, here's some questions. As we think about our employment now, uh, assuming you're not uh, uh, a pastor, well now your employment, right? Is there anything else a Christian can do to the glory of God? Well, yes, of course. Many, almost all jobs out there can be done to the glory of God. We have to ask this. Number one, does it involve, directly by nature of the job, sin and immorality? This might be that you're knowingly selling dodgy products, uh, botchy insurance. You're, you're knowingly scamming people out of money. You are selling illegal products or materials, or by nature of the job you need to promote uh, immoral and ungodly, unbiblical behavior or material. Okay, any of these sorts of things, you need to quit that job. You're doing work that is undoing the work of God in the world and doing the work of Satan. Repent, find a new job God will provide for you. Uh, But secondly, this will be uh, less black and white does the does the job that you're doing keep you in association and close uh, close association with wicked men and wickedness? And so, uh, this does not mean simply are there sinners at your workplace. That's fine, of course. That's glorious. We want there to be sinners at our workplace. That's where you're going to be preaching the gospel. But I mean, uh, are you in extensive uh, amounts of time with uh, in the in spending time with? companions who are wicked, immoral, sinful, doing illegal things? Do you have a, a boss that is constantly uh, 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 calling and trying to tempt you and cause you to do things which are wicked in order to get promoted? Uh, are you in a team of people that is constantly uh, uh, pushing and bending the rules and the laws? Are you maybe in because you're traveling? Are you on the road for extensive periods of time with somebody of the opposite sex? Or uh, are you traveling uh, interstate and into uh, other cities with other men or, or women who are uh, temptations to you to live ungodly lives? We need to remember Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. There will be harm suffered by those who are uh, uh, companions with and walking alongside fools. So let's think of that. Uh, But more positively, is this a job that allows you to live a Godly balanced life between those three realms that we were speaking before from Dr. Phillips? Are you able to live a a life where you are excelling at work, but still have a balanced home time and still serve and worship regularly in a local church? Where that balance is off, uh, you need to consider your own time management, but maybe reconsider this job. Is it a military job that keeps you away from family for six months at a time? That's not going to be good for your children. Is it something where you, it brings in good wages, but you're at the office 12 hours every day? Uh, is it the sort of job where you cannot take Sundays off and there is no uh, room in there to be uh, uh, shuffled around so that you can be in a worshiping community of church? Those sorts of uh, arenas are going to bring enormous questions up and very likely be answered with um, uh, the need to find another job. Uh, does this job bring human flourishing? So, of course, it's not just that you're doing something between nine and five, but are you doing something that is good for society, good for the family, good for people who consume it? Uh, so maybe you need to think of certain uh, maybe items that people sell or promote or um, or what have you, uh, do you believe in what you're doing, and is it something that's good for society? That is an element of what God wants us to work towards. Does this job utilize your capacity? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of times in life when we just need to do a job because that's what what's available, uh, or it's just a filler job. It's an interim job. That's okay. But, but you should have a sense of dissatisfaction with that. Uh, maybe you're somebody who could... Uh, quite reasonably lecture in a university but instead you're pretty happy to just flip burgers um, because it's less effort well I I want to submit to you that underemployment uh, due to laziness uh, is sin it is similar to burying the talent that the master gave to the servant God gave you skills he made an investment into you as a worker he demands a return and so uh, you should always be seeking to work at your capacity and then expand your capacity so that you are sweating by your brow and in that way, bringing great productivity in. So does this job utilize your capacity? If not, you will likely trend downwards into idleness and boredom, laziness. And this is quite uh, related to that. Number six, does it satisfy you? Does does this job bring you satisfaction? Men are just wired in such a way, we need to be able to every now and then look back on what we've created. Maybe it's something you've built with your hands, uh, uh, a a task that you've achieved with a team, um, something that you've developed and submitted. You just need to be able to take a step back, look and be satisfied. I am, I'm achieving things. This gives me purpose and satisfaction. Uh, If you find rarely, if ever, that you are satisfied with the work that you're achieving in your workplace, I would submit that, that you may need to look at uh, what God really has called you to do in life because when you're living in that, it's not gonna be easy and, and, you, and uh, you know simple and, and breezy, but it will give you a sense of satisfaction. So let's talk if, if that's you. And lastly, uh, does it provide for you, your wife and your kids? This is quite simple, this is obvious, this is black and white. If you're in a job that does not bring in enough money for you and your wife and kids, you need to work harder, get promoted, get a second job, get a different job, do something so that you can provide. Or maybe you need to lessen the lifestyle so that your uh, your wife can stay at home with the children and you can uh, work uh, and provide enough for what you need. Uh, but maybe you're a young guy, you don't have kids, maybe you don't have a wife yet, you're thinking, well, what's this to do with me in employment? Uh, does it provide for you currently? If no, get a second job Uh, if yes let me also ask does it provide for you and the future you're going to have so does this job uh, give enough income where you could take on a wife and children if not it's fine to have this job but be thinking about the job to come maybe you need to study maybe you need to get a trade. maybe you need to do something so that you can have a greater and grander job in the future and is this job allowing you to not just get by and spend money on your hobbies, but does this job have the capacity to let you save, uh, give you enough money so that you can look into the future and make investments, save for your house, save for your engagement ring, save for your wedding, save for the kids' um, uh, universities. Uh, That all seems so far ahead, but as we said last week, men think about the future. So these are the questions I submit to you. And while you have a job that is menial and the wage is low, let that be the motivator to upskill and get promoted and find different work. That's how men work. Uh, And so may may you be blessed as we think about these things. Uh, It is to the glory of God that we, young men to old men, we give our souls to Jesus. He takes workers of iniquity, workers of unrighteousness, and makes us workers of righteousness. Workers for God. Workers in the kingdom of Jesus. And so give your life to him. Give him your sin. Pr- place your faith and your trust in him. He will, he will take away all that which stands between you and forgiveness. And he will train you to be a worker. A son that he smiles upon. Who brings productivity into this world. That He is in the process of making you. God bless. See you next week. Have a good week.